0: the Dr. Lori Marvis podcast. Today I am delighted to have a friend of mine, Dr. Yami. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. Um, And what's amazing about Yami is that she's a pediatrician in Yakima, Washington. Is that right? Yakima. Yakima. (laughs) And um, we met in 2014, I believe it was, in Washington, D.C. at the PCRM Food for Life training. And... uh, She's been a a voice of energy ever since then and um, just amazing energy that comes from you and excitement, and it's a, it's a true joy to, to speak to her. So I'm excited to uh, hear about what you're doing because you kind of went off the traditional path here recently as far as being a regular physician and working for a hospital or a group. Tell me a little bit about your practice. Okay.
1: Well... I just celebrated my one-year anniversary yesterday. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. I started a practice called Nourish Wellness here in Yakima um, about a year ago. And the reason I did that was because I had spent six and a half years working in the traditional setting that most physicians work in. I'm a pediatrician, so I see children. And I... um, was just doing the regular role, seeing 25 to 30 patients a day, and just felt like I really didn't have the time to address nutrition and lifestyle factors that I felt were the primary cause of disease, and dysfunction, uh, and misery in a lot of people. And as a pediatrician, I feel like my primary goal is to try to prevent these things And I didn't feel like I had sufficient time to really help families through that. So I consider myself a pretty good physician. I was, I was doing what I needed to do, you know, writing prescriptions for ear infections, referring people. But I, I, what I really wanted to get my hands on was sitting down and counseling families so that I could empower them to really take action and change their own lives and that of their children and the future of their children.
0: And that's such an admirable, admirable goal, because one, it's, you're not changing just the life of the kiddo, but also a whole family and mm-hmm. who knows the ripple effects. So how do you go about, so what's different now than what you did before? So how do you go about starting this counseling process? I mean, are they still seeing you for traditional pediatric services, but how do you bring that into what you actually do?
1: Well, I want to give a shout out to Dr. John McDougall because I just, I think he's just such a a great man and such a great role model in the plant-based nutrition field. And I spoke with him for many years, emailed him and and talked to him at conferences. And I I really felt like, okay, well, I'm just gonna break away from traditional pediatric medicine. I'm just gonna do lifestyle medicine. And um, I asked him what he thought about that. And he said, well, that's fine, but I really feel like you would do better still seeing kids for their pediatric care and you still have that opportunity to talk to families about you know all the other stuff and i love pediatrics so once i started kind of playing around with both of those thoughts and imagining my life leaving pediatrics and the traditional bread and butter pediatrics it did feel like i would be missing out on that so my practice now is majority is traditional pediatrics I still do well child checks and see kids for their colds and ear infections and that kind of thing. But because I have, I, I control my schedule and I'm able to spend more time with families. My shortest appointment time is 30 minutes. So I can really spend every single appointment trying to get in something about nutrition and lifestyle. Um, the majority of my families really value that too. So it's, it's you know, I kind of have a biased population because they come to me because they're already interested in that. Um, But in addition to doing my bread and butter pediatrics, I also am a food for life, a certified food for life cooking instructor. So I do between six and nine series a year um, and mostly through Virginia Mason Memorial Hospital here in Yakima, which is a very progressive hospital and they're doing amazing things there. And I'm also a certified health and wellness coach. So I see adults mainly on that side of it and do coaching with them. So I get to do a variety of things now that before I was mainly focused on just the pediatrics, the standard pediatrics. And now I get to do a lot of different things.
0: That's incredible. And I imagine your career satisfica- satisfaction quota just went through the roof. I mean, oh, it's huge. I'm so happy. And I feel most of the time I, I feel
1: like I'm not even working. <laughs> I also think something that I'm doing now that I didn't before is I get to do house calls. So for my newborns, I go to the home automatically at one week and one month for the well child checks. Mm-hmm. And that's really fun, I really enjoy it. And I get to hold the baby and see how the moms are doing because you know that can be a stressful time, especially for new moms. And uh, I really feel like I'm really able to provide them a lot of value and comfort at that stage in the baby's life
0: yeah. So it's like you're doing uh, old-fashioned medicine with house calls. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, tell me what is your success rate as far as families adopting more of this plant-centered lifestyle have is there a large portion or are you just moving in that direction? Tell me how's that go with what is what are the families doing?
1: Well, what's funny is, you know, I wanted to to break away from traditional medicine to help families, but like I said, I ended up a attracting a lot of families that already were aligned with this way of thinking. (laughs) So a lot of my families are very plant strong. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have several families that are following a 100% plant-based diet. Um, But I would say the majority have, compared to the standard American diet, are eating a very meat-reduced diet. So Mm -hmm. their kids are eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of whole grains. And the ones that aren't there yet, I am not a pushy person. So I find areas where we can gently nudge the families in that direction without making them feel panicky. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, as you know, and your experience as well, there's going to be a lot of children that we see that if they're eating the standard American diet, they're having adverse effects of it. Mm -hmm. And, And when I see that, I can bring that to the attention of the mom usually that's there and the dad and we can discuss do you feel like this is something that we can start looking at maybe change this for this Um, and not to point fingers or make anybody feel guilty because we all live in this obesogenic environment um, but you know to just start being aware so that if that's something that they would like to have more control at empower them to know that they can make those changes to help their child and their whole family.
0: Right, absolutely. So when you bring that message to them, what um, resources do you give to them? Do you have a handout? Do you send them somewhere? Or do you invite them to one of your courses that you teach with the Food for Life? How do you go ahead and incorporate those changes and teach them how to do that?
1: All of the above. So I love using um, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, beautiful handouts that they have. So I give all of my patients a folder that has all of those resources. But I also have my website, veggiefitkids.com, and I do videos there. I have recipes, and um, I have some handouts that have some of my favorite blogs and free resources for recipes. And then I also do kids' cooking classes. Uh, And I do two to four series of those per year and families really like that because the kids get really into it and they get really hands-on. And in my experience, kids really want to be healthy, especially the younger kids. They have an interest in that. That's something that's motivating to them. So, It's What I often find that happens is that kids come to the classes, they learn about the benefits of fruits and vegetables and how they can be delicious, and they go home and they start telling their parents, hey, we should be eating more of this. And sometimes it's the parents that are forced to start eating healthier after the kids get motivated to do that and learn more about it.
0: That's awesome. So have you seen anything change as far as number of colds or illnesses? I mean, have you seen any changes in this population that you're working with versus the previous population?
1: Absolutely, a lot less burden of severe infections. You know, kids, especially if they end up in daycare, early school age kids, they're gonna get their common viruses and colds like that. But these days I hardly prescribe antibiotics. It's rare. Um, when I need to, I do, and I can. And it's something that we discuss, the pros and cons. It's not like just an automatic you know, thing, but um, I, I just, you know, I see the colds, but most of these kids are recovering quicker, and they're just not getting the severe infections that need to be treated with some intervention. We can usually get through it with supportive care, which is great.
0: I love that. And what about any type of behavioral changes, like attention deficit disorder, any of those type of changes that you're seeing, less of it? Or do you think just your population in general would have less of it? I I don't know. What What are you seeing?
1: I definitely see less of it. Um, you know, I have some kids that might have some traits and characteristics, um, and there are some kids that are coming to me because I have personal experience of that with my one of my own children. So it's something that uh, it's very important to me to see these children. But whenever I do see children with behavior problems, I always, 100% of the time, talk about lifestyle and nutrition always. It's just so important. Um, You cannot look at these issues isolated from that. Um, And so I'm always talking about let's change up the diet, increase the fiber, decrease the processed sugars, added sugars, food dyes, all of those things, and just get to a more whole foods diet and change some of the lifestyle practices such as sleep, exposure to media, exercise, all of the things that we know just from common sense Mm -hmm. that can lead to behavior problems. Mm -hmm. And because of that, even if we do end up trying some medication to help, usually it can be a smaller dose than you probably otherwise would see.
0: That is fabulous. Is there any specific population that you were surprised at how well they received your message or... I mean, for example, like, was it moms with the youngest babies, like just starting out or is it moms with middle-aged kids, you know, like I'm curious who seems to be the most receptive to your message? That's a great question. And I'll say, you know, I myself have been plant-based
1: for, it'll be six years this summer. And I've always been an advocate for nutrition. I've always been really interested in the topic. And when I first became plant-based, I was very timid about talking about it with my patients. And being a pediatrician, it's pretty much drilled into our heads that children need milk or their bones are gonna disintegrate and they're not gonna gain enough weight and they're just gonna be shriveled, boneless masses. You know? So it's like, I was super scared about it. Um, And it took me several years before I was brave enough to even start saying, you know, I don't know about this milk thing. I don't think it's benefiting us. And then getting to the point that I am now, which is the majority of the time, I think it's causing more harm than it is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to be an all 100% black and white sort of person and doctor. But at this point, I feel like the majority of the time it's causing more harm than it is good. Um, that being said, through my classes and at, at work, the thing that I've been most surprised at is that the students and the parents that ask the toughest questions, the ones that intimidate me the most are the ones that end up going full fledged because, <laughs> you know? the, because they're really thinking about it. These are the people that are really like, okay, well, you say that there's evidence. Well, give me the evidence. And what about this? And what about this? And they come out and they ask all these questions and I'm like, Oh, and then I find out several weeks or several months later that they took the plunge and they're hundred percent plant-based and lost all this weight and are really happy. Um, and then the other thing that's surprising to me is, like I said, I was really intimidated at first and I was like, you know, this is kind of, it seems extreme to some people. I'm not sure how people are going to take it. But as I've done more classes and more events, suddenly I see like more and more and more young people coming up and saying, oh, well I've already started this path. I'm taking your class because I want to learn more about it. And it seems to be increasing every year that I'm doing the classes, that more and more people are already coming. They already have some knowledge. They already know they want to do it. They just need the tools of how to do it and how to sustain it. And then the other population is the older adults, like the retired population, which I don't know if you're seeing more of where you're at now, but they're coming in, they're coming in specifically for the health benefits because they're seeing like, okay, I might start seeing some health problems or they've experienced some health problems. They want to reverse it. And that population can be highly motivated. I mean, like they're so motivated. I'm just like, I barely have to give them any guidelines and they just like take off and they run with it. Um, And that's really gratifying too, because that's usually pretty fast that you can see results.
0: No, I, I see a very sick population here, much more than I thought I would coming here mm. to Florida. So after leaving just a general you know, family practice, your regular family practice, admitting and seeing kids to adults um, and older, but I'm surprised at how ill these people are. I mean, they're desperate mm. when they come to us. So they're highly motivated, but yes. at the same time they're very ill. I mean, mm. um, so it's been uh, quite an experience for sure. What are some of the common food myths that you come across? Like your parents are coming in and is it the milk? Is it the protein? What what kind of, what are the, what are those guys saying?
1: All of the above. <laughs> uh, you know, most people are very shocked when I even start the milk discussion. Um, but there are some that are starting to hear more about, you know, some of the harms that milk might be causing. Protein, as you know, is always the first question, <laughs> mm-hmm. so much so that. I like don't even bring it up anymore in my classes because I feel like it just takes so long to get through that discussion because so people are just so stuck on the protein thing. Um, I I think that those would be the two biggest thing is the especially for children, the milk and then make sure that they have enough protein Mm -hmm. sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing that I found that's been really helpful with the protein question is like, where do you think the primary source of protein is? actually plants are the only thing that can actually take those amino acids and bring them together and, you know, and of course, you know, the animals eating it and that seems to make them think, oh, oh, okay, so then I can just skip the middle man or middle cow and get back to (laughs) the primary. That's right. So it's kind of funny. Um, As far as the most challenging patient that you've seen get better? Do you have a, a a story or a few that you find that are just would be maybe inspirational to someone? You know, for me, the whole reason I even changed my diet was a kid coming off two ADD meds in 30 days on her own. And That's I was
1: awesome.
0: like, <laughs> it was just so overwhelming. What, what have you seen?
1: Well, I think because my population is mostly healthy and I'm trying to prevent things, Mm. I don't get the benefit of seeing some amazing recovery stories like you have. But the story that I always keep in my back pocket to inspire me is I had a student at one of my cooking classes whose father-in-law came for, she had just recently gotten engaged and so he came to, to the States here and stayed with them for six weeks because they were getting married, her and her fiance. And he had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer and he had a very elevated PSA. This was all, um, you know, story that she told me and apparently it was in the sixties and he knew that when he went back um, home that he was going to get, um, a prostatectomy and this was all planned, but he was going to go for the wedding, um, and stay with them. Well, she had taken my class and they had changed over to a plant-based diet because of the class. And she told him, well, we're going to eat this way. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I'll just eat whatever you guys eat. And within a week they had to take him off of his diuretics because he was getting cramping in his muscles because the diet had changed everything so much. He ended up getting off of two diuretics, lost weight, felt great, Um, went back home. And this is just six weeks and they had rechecked his PSA and it was down to two. And so they decided to not do the prostatectomy, which is, I mean, that's amazing. And he was so happy and they actually ended up. Hiring him somebody to come cook food for him because he wanted to continue the diet. And his doctor down there, he's like, whatever you did, keep doing it. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that wasn't a direct, you know, he wasn't my student, but that also shows you, and that's what I tell people that whenever you're doing this and you're talking to people about it, it, it's a ripple effect, you Mm -hmm. know, because she took my class and she changed her diet. This was a potentially life-changing thing for her father-in-law. And that always makes me feel really proud that things like that can happen. And Mm -hmm. I I just love that story.
0: Yeah. That's a fabulous story. And they're highly addictive when you see the ripple effects that occur when you change one life, and you don't—you have no idea where those fingers are going to go. I mean, it's just—it's mm-hmm. so much fun. So, Yami, yeah, mean, do you actually take insurance? Is this more of a, a direct type of primary care service? How, I mean, how is your practice set up now? How would someone become involved to come see you as their doctor? So, I started
1: as cash only because I wanted to start very simple. And I started with no staff. I still do most everything myself, check-in, vitals. I do give immunizations to families that would like immunization. So I do all that myself. And because I wanted to stay at the micro practice model so I have enough time to see all of my um, families and have you know be able to make time for them if they're ill, then I started cash-based. Just recently in the past month, I have become in network with just a few insurances. So it's First Choice Health Network and Health Alliance, which are part of the hospital here. And I wanted to do that so that I could serve the families of of the hospital because I work with them. I'm staff in the hospital, and my husband also works at the hospital, Mm -hmm. and also Primera Health Insurance. Um, And besides that, everybody else would be out of network. Okay. And then for my uh, health coaching stuff, that's all out of insurance. So that's all cash-based for that.
0: Cool. And so how big is Yakima? Yakima, the
1: entire valley is about a hundred thousand.
0: Okay, so you have a good population to draw on, um, as far as mm-hmm. you know, sharing the message. So it's not like you're going to be, you know, five thousand people. And
1: <laughs> oh no, no, it's smaller. It's not. I don't consider it a big city, but it's also not tiny. I think it's a perfect size for us. I really right. like it here.
0: Yeah. So you were mentioned that you change your diet about five, five and a half, six years ago. And now how did this go along with the family? Was it, did you bring it to the family? Did your husband bring it to the family? You have children. Tell us about that. How that even happened.
1: Well, I, I like to call it divine intervention because I was reading that book born to run. Have you read it? Yes. So I, I was really into running at that time and I have run, um, since being plant-based 13 half marathons and two full marathons and so i was reading about the whole you know barefoot running thing and in that book you know scott jurek is in there and they talk about the tarumata indians and that they eat a predominantly plant-based diet i was like wow it seems really great but in my head i still had that bias of like if you're vegetarian or you know God forbid, vegan, I was like, whoa, I mean, they have to have some sort of deficiency that's going to hurt them, you know? And so I really did not know the current evidence. I was ignorant of it. But I read the book and I was like, well, I'm just going to try it because for some reason, something clicked in me and I didn't tell anybody. I just decided I like to experiment on myself. So I said, I'm just going to try this for 30 days. And because I didn't know very much about plant-based cooking or anything, I decided to do it really simply. I'm Panamanian. So as a Panamanian, I definitely knew how to eat rice and beans. I love rice and beans. So I knew that that would be like my staple, <laughs> my diet. And then uh, for breakfast, I was going to have, you know, a whole grain toast with peanut butter. So I kept it really simple. Well, within a week, I had cured my lifelong chronic, uh, chronic constipation. So I had been constipated since I was a kid, and I just thought it was genetics. I'd been told everybody in the family suffers from this. You know, I could go like sometimes a week without going to the bathroom and it's very uncomfortable. It's, it, you know, it's not a good feeling and, you know, all kinds of things with it. But I, you know, since I become a physician, I know about Miralax. So I've been on Miralax, you know, i took Miralax, vitamin M for everybody, right? Everybody well, a pediatrician be on doesn't M. use yeah. Miralax. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but when I changed my diet, it, it all healed itself. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And By the end of the month, I had lost 12 pounds effortlessly and felt great, had more energy. You know, the things that seem like really cliche, but it's so true. (laughs) I mean, I already am a high energy person, but it just felt great. And the other thing for me is um, that I tell people that I felt a significant change in is I'm a very emotional person and I felt things kind of stabilize. I didn't have those peaks of really strong Anxiety feeling, you know, that I had before. I just felt like I had more control over those emotions. So by the end of the month, I had read Diet for a New America and The Kind Diet and started the whole documentary circuit and read Forks Over Knives. By the end of the month, there was no turning back for me. There was no turning back. But as a pediatrician, having two kids at the time, at the time my kids were six years old and 18 months. I really had to delve into the research. Can this be safe for kids? I was like, well, maybe it's safe for me. It seems like after reading all this information, it's safe for me and maybe even optimal for me, but what about her children? So that's when I started reading into it and looking at the research and I was like, yeah, absolutely. This is gonna be the best way to raise my kids. My husband is a very nice man. So he listened to what I told him and he's like, yeah, that's fine, we can do it. So after my month trial, A month after that, I changed the entire household over. At the beginning, my husband, who used to be a cheese addict, um, had like a little cheese drawer in the fridge. But he also doesn't like grocery shopping. So that lasted a couple of weeks only because he is like too lazy to go to the grocery store. So the cheese drawer only lasted a couple of weeks after we started our transition. And since then, our whole household has been plant-based and it'll be six years this summer
0: that's fantastic and now so your kiddos go to public schools and or private school how, how do they do lunch i mean how is how is that I, I like talking to parents about how they handle the kids stuff because my kids are grown now so my mm-hmm. youngest mm-hmm. is 18 mm-hmm. and how did you handle feeding them at school going to parties i mean what are your rules and our thoughts
1: that's a great question, and I think every family has to figure this out for themselves. I have to admit, I've always been health conscious. So even before we were plant-based, I always sent lunch with my kids to school because the kid, the school lunch is just not where I'd like it to be <laughs> as far as like, even for kids that aren't plant-based. So that didn't change, just what was in the lunches changed after we transitioned over. Um, My oldest son now is 12, Um, so we do have, you know, I'm flexible with them. We call it flexing. So if they go to a birthday party and they can either choose, like I'm always happy to provide something for them that is 100% plant-based. But if they would like to have a cupcake or a slice of cake at the birthday party, then that's up to them. Uh, My youngest son is actually pretty sensitive to dairy. So whenever he has dairy, he actually has bloody stools. Um, and this was something that also resolved after we switched to plant-based diet, which I didn't even realize that that was happening to him from dairy. Um, but so he knows that he's more sensitive and he will avoid it very well. And my older son, he knows that it kind of doesn't make him feel great. So he doesn't have a lot, but for the most part, for activities at school, I always send stuff with them. And, um, I would say that, 97 98 percent of the time they're eating a plant-based diet and at home it's a predominantly whole foods plant-based diet
0: That's wonderful And so now so you've worked with your children you're working in the community you have this new practice you're working at the hospital So obviously your colleagues are taking note and what has been the response To you from other pediatricians or other doctors have others taken Your message and carried it forth themselves or what what's been that response? I'm definitely seeing
1: more and more physicians that are starting to learn about the power of plant-based diets in helping prevent and reverse chronic disease for weight loss, for all kinds of things. But I think that there is quite a few still that are not receptive to the message, especially I would say the biggest thing in the pediatric world is the dairy thing. I mean, it's really hard to change decades and decades of mantra saying that Kids must have this much dairy, especially getting to the two to three glasses per day minimum. Um, it's really hard to change that. And there's just, they're very doubtful and um, very fearful of going against that teaching. So I think that that's the biggest hurdle I face in the, um, in the pediatric world. And I do have people that email me through my website because they're having a hard time getting their pediatrician to be on board with their dietary change and they're confused. And of course it makes them fearful that they are going to harm their child, but it's just like I was at the beginning. And so that's the whole reason I even created Veggie Fit Kids is to support parents that really want to go this route to answer questions and to let them know what, you know, the safe practices are for their children. Um, because they, they are, for the majority of pediatricians, I think they're going to get like, no, that's not good for your kid.
0: You know, and it, and I always, it always boggled me a little bit too. I mean, if you know that dairy can cause anemia in children, why would we continue to push that on them as in constipation? So we know these are two Mm -hmm. things that are like chronically adverse effects of dairy consumption. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you do the research, it doesn't take long to actually see the evidence that you don't need dairy as a child from a cow. You know, what what have you done? if you have you had interactions with other pediatricians and they're asking you or saying, hey, why are you doing this? And I mean, what what do you tell them or have you that happened?
1: Exactly what you said, um, that I, I see so many adverse effects, the. Constipation, uh, obesity in the teenagers, acne, menstrual dysregulation—I um, just see a, a bunch of that, and I feel that the majority of kids are over-consuming dairy. They're having it often at every meal, on—you know, like a glass of milk with every meal, plus cheese on top of their food, yogurt cheese in between meals for snacks. So they're having exposures to dairy and cow's milk protein all day long. And I just feel like it's an overabundance of it. For the families that, I, that say that they just, there's no way that we just cannot get off milk. I said, okay, well, can we just start by limiting it to no more than two servings total per day? And I say, okay, dairy is in all these things. It's in the milk you drink, you know, so a glass of milk, yogurt, cheese, ice cream, any creamy soups, you know, that all has dairy in it. And a lot of people just think of milk as, you know, a glass of milk. And so they don't count all those other things that they're having throughout the day.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah, I mean, but I would think that the majority of parents would be receptive if they're coming to you um, and getting the evidence. I mean, they should be fairly receptive to removing dairy, don't you think?
1: They are, but... There's so much hesitation, Lori. I just yeah. feel like people, I wasn't myself a cheese person, right. so I guess I can't empathize as much. I was definitely, I was a milk drinker. I was a straight up milk drinker. I could drink milk with any food, any cuisine. <laughs> so, and I loved ice cream, of course, um, but I wasn't a cheese person. But I feel like there. people just cannot conceptualize a life without dairy because it's in everything. Um, And so there's a big fear. So I try to ease them out of it. I think the good thing is that now we have a lot of alternatives and even more alternatives now that are more whole foods based. So we don't have just like this blob of fat that we call, you know, vegan cheese or whatever. Um, And so I, I, and and we even have that available here in Yakima even. So I talk to parents about that and, and I just tell them about all of the other adverse long-term effects, like the link between dairy and cancer that a lot of people wouldn't even think about or know about and just try to ease them into I just don't want people to feel like it's their fault or they're to blame and I know that this has to be a transition I know they have to be ready and they have to be motivated and we have to decrease that fear of letting go of the dairy that's why I try to emphasize it doesn't have to be all or nothing but let's start with drastically reducing it and see how we do and go from there
0: That's very, it's a great way to approach it is just, you know, let's start with breakfast, make it Mm -hmm. healthy (laughs) breakfast for a week. You know, I, similar transitions are are very good. I'm curious about have you, what have you found that's the best way to share this message? Like it'll bring in even the more questioning people in, into uh, maybe a, a frame of mind or a mindset they might actually be more open. Have you found you know, like sharing your story first or giving more scientific evidence first? Cause that's kind of where I'm really curious. I think that's where I see myself going is helping like medical students and other physicians learn how to share the lifestyle medicine message. What have you, what have you discovered?
1: I think it's going to be different for every personality type. And you know, because we have our, our figures in this movement that are, can be very different what's most most comfortable and what i have found that creates the biggest change for me is emphasizing the positive side of the story Mm -hmm. people don't like fear-mongering so instead of going in like meat's going to give you cancer and diabetes and heart attack you're all going to die a miserable death you know it's more like hey Fruits and vegetables have fiber and antioxidants, and this is how it can benefit you and make you feel great and live a joyful, long, happy life, you know, which is true. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the same story, but looking at the positive side of the story. And I think another thing for me too, is knowing that we all have different personality types. I'm an all or nothing sort of person. Mm-hmm. So when I did this, I went a hundred percent vegan plant-based from one day to the next. I mean, that's just how I did it, but I realize and understand that most people are not gonna do it that way Um, or it may take an extreme circumstance in their life for them to have to do it that way so I do talk about it doesn't have to be all or nothing for the majority of people and I think that's less intimidating and it makes them more likely to just dip their toe in there and slowly is ease into the water and then they go further and further and I think that when they actually do it they feel the effects And so it makes them continue it, sustain it, go further, improve upon it, instead of saying, if you don't do it this way the whole way, you're going to do it wrong. Um, So emphasizing the positive and saying it doesn't have to be all or nothing is what I feel has made the most difference in my area and and the kind of style of teaching that I do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you just kind of have to feel it out the individual and and uh, what message they'll be open to receiving. Although sometimes I've straight up told someone you could die <laughs> if you don't do this. Yes. It's true. Um, that's true, right? So that's right.
1: gonna be and that what I tell people that there's gonna be a population of people that really are going to benefit the most from doing this a hundred percent. And I just had one coaching client that I saw last week and I told her, but she's highly motivated and she's like I can do it, I'm gonna do it. And I just saw yesterday and she's like doing it. So there, yes, there's gonna be, but I I feel like the majority of people that come to my classes and see me, they don't have chronic disease yet. They just wanna lead lead a healthier life and they want information on how to do it. And for those people, the message of positivity and moderation seems to hit home. And then they start integrating that into their families, which is what I want, because I want the kids to be healthier
0: too. Right. Absolutely. So have you stepped into the school systems at all or reached out to your your local schools to bring that message or do anything there? A little bit. I haven't done
1: as much as I would like just because I'm involved in so much. I don't have as much time, but I have worked with the schools doing a few little short classes here and there. And my kids cooking classes through offered through the hospital are all free, so any child can come to those and be part of that. Um, but yeah, just slowly integrating, working a little bit with my kid's school, and that's been so much harder than I wish it were. <laughs> but yeah. I, I also, you know, have both my children there, so I, I can't be too, uh, you know, be too strong and bold in that area. But I'm, I'm trying to, little by little.
0: Um, as far as when you bring this. Uh, message to a patient, what do you tell them to start with? What is the first thing that you feel like everybody should at least start incorporating into their life or their children's lives when it with this message?
1: I think the first thing is to decrease dairy consumption. And then uh, the second thing is to focus on eating more whole plant foods. So whatever it is, and I feel like for children, the easiest thing is, they naturally love fruit. And there are some um, parents, believe it or not, that are very fearful of fruit because they've heard that sugar is bad. And so they lump fruit into that category and they come in saying, Oh, but isn't sugar bad? And I was like, well, whole plant foods, which includes fruit in their whole form also have fiber and they have antioxidants. It's not just a straight up, you know, jar of table sugar. It's different. Mm -hmm. Um, So focusing on the fruits and usually the whole grains that children love to eat, and then we ease into the vegetables. A lot of families don't eat a lot of beans um, from some of the cultures here. We do have a large Latino population, so they eat plenty of beans. But then the other population here, they're not eating as many beans. So talking to them about the variety of beans and how to integrate more beans into their diet, especially with dips like hummus, black bean dips, adding beans to... Uh, pasta sauces things like that um, are ways that we can get more fiber into those little kids
0: absolutely so what is your favorite little kid recipe that you like to share with people
1: oh that's a good question (laughs) i think that the easiest one and probably one that's like across the board a crowd pleaser for everybody is the veggies in a blanket. That's the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine recipe where you take a whole wheat tortilla and you spread it with hummus. So you can use any bean dip that you want. But in my classes, I usually teach it with with hummus. And so you spread the hummus on there and then you layer it with some baby spinach and shredded carrot and roll it up and eat it. And everybody likes that. The parents like that. The kids like it. And it's a recipe that's so easy to adapt because you can use whatever your favorite veggies are. And I use that exact same premise for breakfast. Mm. So using a whole wheat tortilla, and then a nut butter like peanut butter uh, or almond butter, and then putting your favorite fresh fruit on there like bananas and strawberries, and rolling that up and making a fruit wrap for breakfast, which is actually my youngest son's favorite breakfast. So those are two easy recipes that are very uh, adaptable to your own tastes and needs and are enjoyed by everybody.
0: that'll work. So again, we're ge- we can find you at the veggie fits, um, kids, veggie So you have recipes there that you've made, or are these other ones that you've shared with other people or from other people? Yes,
1: both. So some of them are my own original recipes, although I found over time that I uh, am not the best at spending time with recipe development. So <laughs> there are some of my own original recipes, but, uh, Recipes that I've shared from other sources uh, with permission, mm-hmm. and um, also lots of tips and information—not just on nutrition, but lifestyle as well sure. for families.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, I'm not the the best. I mean, I I, I can cook in the kitchen, but my I get the, I do the same thing over and over again. I just I'm very simple foods, and it's just all not that exciting after a while. Like you only show black beans, you know, and some type of grain or sweet potato so many times. (laughs) Um, so was there, I just had one other question too. When you have children that, um, moms aren't breastfeeding, what, and they're under a year old, what, uh, formula do you recommend?
1: Well, that's changed too.
0: Sometimes
1: families come to me already on formula. And if the kids are doing well, I, I, try not to rock the boat, we just stay on the same formula. But I have started to recommend now um, from the beginning, if moms are receptive and they know that their child has to go on formula, is soy formula. And for moms that I see that the baby's probably having some cow's milk protein uh, sensitivity when they're breastfeeding, I change those babies. If they're having to be supplemented as well, I change them to either Alimentum or Nutramagen and have the mom take dairy out of her diet a hundred percent and see what results I get. Um, so that's kind of where I, the path I'm taking right now, there's not a great formula out there right now for us plant-based people. So I'm hoping somebody in the future will develop one. Um, that would be a great area to work on, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But breastfeeding, of course, Optimum so if we can get moms to breastfeed, that'd be great But there are some situations where they aren't able to or they just have low milk production Or have to go back to work early and can't pump those kinds of situations,
0: right? So when the child turns one and that's typically you know parents like okay, I can you know start adding just whole milk products Mm -hmm. What do you recommend uh, in replace of a whole milk product if any?
1: so um, I recommend a plant milk any, whatever plant milk of their choosing. I personally feel like uh, soy milk like, uh, is a good one because it is, as far as the thickness, you don't have to add a bunch of stuff to it. It's some of these other plant milks, they have a, kind of additives and thickeners and things like that. But mm-hmm. soy milk has a good amount of, I think, ratio of the macronutrients in there and the taste is palatable for children as well. Um, but if they were breastfed and they've been weaned from the breast, I, I tell them that really, I don't want parents to feel panicky about, I have to replace this amount with plant milk. Children, the majority of the time, should be drinking water. That's the healthiest thing and eating their food. And then if they want to have a milk to drink, then that's when I would recommend plant milk. I'm trying to steer my families away from going the cow's milk route as much as possible.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I'm sure you see a decrease in allergies and ear infections and all of that when you do that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that, that's been my experience. Fantastic. So is there any last bit of advice that you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, it's been a lot of fun having you on. Yeah, it's been great. I would say, you know, just what I what I said before is do
1: your best. You have to experiment with what works best for you. Pay attention to your body because intuition says a lot for each individual person, what works for them. And just remember that it's just never going to be wrong for any person to eat more whole foods. emphasizing the fiber, emphasizing the antioxidants. There's just too many wins in that scenario. Whether you are going to eat some meat and animal products or not. The more whole plant foods that you have in your diet, the better. So to slowly increase the bulk of your diet that is from whole plant foods, that would be the goal over time.
0: That is wonderful advice. And, again, you can find Dr. Yami at VeggieFitKids.com. You're also on Facebook, right? You have a Facebook page yes. for the veggie fits, mm-hmm. veggie Fit Kids? That's Perfect. right. And I'll put the link on, on everything. And you're in Yakima, Washington, so I'd encourage anyone in that area If you're looking for an awesome pediatrician, this would be the one to go to for sure. Thank you
1: so much. You're
0: welcome. (laughs) And thank you for joining us, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody.